So as we begin to move forward here, what I would like to do now is to begin to lay down some foundation. Now, if you think about this building, the very structure we're in, the most important part of this entire structure is what I would argue is the foundation. It's something we don't even see, but it's the most important thing because it's what helps hold this all together. The foundation is the most important part of a structure and the most important part of a building. The strength and the stability of a building and a structure is completely dependent on having a solid foundation. So if you want to build something really large, then you need to have a strong, solid foundation on which you can build it. Build it. So this means that a building like the Burj Khalifa, does anybody know what that building is? It is located in Dubai. It is 2,700 feet tall. Can you even I can't even fathom that. Is anybody here who's signing up to clean the windows on the top floor? Can you imagine being 2,700 feet up in the air outside cleaning windows? I don't know. Maybe they have an automated way to do it, but 2,700 feet tall. But what this means is that particular building was not built on a foundation similar to what a person's home is built upon. Rather, that building has a massive foundation below it to support the massive building that's built on top of it. The point of it is, if you want to build something big, then you have to have a solid foundation on which to build. And so I believe wholeheartedly that God desires to do some amazing things here at Bethel, and he desires to do some amazing, really big things through Bethel into our community. And because we believe that, what we want to do now is kick off a sermon series here where we are going to look at a number of foundational truths that I believe will help us secure a strong foundation to build upon. And so there are so many foundational things in the Word of God, but as I spent time in prayer, I felt like there were seven things that the Lord really put on my heart that we should begin with. And so the goal is, over the next seven weeks or so, we are going to take probably one week for each topic, and we will focus on each one of these. And the seven topics we're going to cover, just to give you a little preview, will be truth, power, presence, love, fellowship, prayer, and external focus. So these are foundational truths. These are things that we want to set as the foundation that God can build on. They are truths that we want to ingrain into the very DNA of Bethel. They are things that if somebody comes to you and they say, hey, tell me a little bit about what Bethel is all about you can start to point them to these things. And so today what we are going to do is we are going to start with the one that I believe all others are built upon. It is the foundation to all foundational topics. Today we are going to talk about truth. Truth itself. Truth is foundational to everything. Truth is the foundation to everything, and it sets the foundation upon which everything is built. So as such, if you look at our world, it's no wonder, because truth is so foundational, that the enemy has put such a massive attack on truth. It seems that truth is constantly under attack by the enemy. So from the very beginning, we know that the enemy came in and he tried to get Adam and Eve to doubt if what God said was true. And we've seen that attack all throughout history. But it seems it's sort of shifted here recently in modern times. And what we see now, more than maybe anything, is an attack on the enemy to try to convince people that there isn't even something called truth. 
that there is no such thing as absolute truth, that absolute truth doesn't even exist. And there's a movement in society today towards something called relativism. Have you heard that term? Right? Relativism. It's an attack of the enemy in an effort to try and convince people that knowledge, truth, and even morality are contextual and not absolute. In other words, I can have my own version of the truth, and you can have your own version of the truth, and even if those truths completely contradict each other, somehow we can both be right. I don't know how that makes sense, but that's what the world teaches these days. And so some of the statistics you see are crazy when it comes to the number of people who believe that truth is simply whatever somebody wants it to be. One recent study found that only 48% of Americans believe there is absolute moral truth. Only 48%. It's an attack of the enemy that makes it very convenient for people to reject anything that confronts their lifestyle and makes them uncomfortable, and they can reject it by saying, well, that's just not my truth. And the main problem with that is, if you reject truth and you reject absolute truth, you are removing what is necessary to know the one whom truth comes from. That's the main problem you see. All right, so the point of today's sermon is to not deliver a whole bunch of arguments on why there is absolute truth. If you want to do that, I can give you some authors that you can check out that give all sort of great philosophical reasons and other reasons about why there is absolute truth. But I do want to quickly highlight just a couple of things here. So first, and this is pretty common, so you may have heard this, the statement there is no absolute truth is actually self-defeating because it's the same as saying it is true that there is no absolute truth. It's self-defeating and it's contradictory. It contradicts itself to try to make a statement of truth claiming there is no truth. And because it contradicts itself, it must be rejected as false. Second, the world itself testifies that there are things that are simply true. There are things that are true whether you agree or disagree, whether you want to admit it or not. Let me give you an example of this. Gravity. Gravity. So I could go and I could climb up to the balcony of this church. I could go up to the balcony and I can believe all that I want that gravity is not true. I could tell you till I'm blue in the face that gravity is great for you. Gravity is not my truth. I don't need to worry about it. I can believe with everything that I am that gravity is not true. And yet if I jump off that balcony, I'm going to have a considerable amount of time to consider my bad life choices from a hospital bed. It's true whether we want to believe it or not. The world itself testifies that there are things that are simply true, that truth exists. And while truth is so multifaceted that we could spend weeks breaking it down, I want to focus today on three aspects of truth. The first is that truth is found in the Word of God, the Bible, and it sets the standard. The second is that the Bible is the standard of truth because it reveals Christ. And third, knowing truth is the pathway to freedom. All right, we're going to start in John 17. And we have a lot of verses today. They're going to be up on the screen. It may be tough to kind of keep up with them, but we will have them on the screen. John 17, 17, it says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus is speaking here, and he is proclaiming that God's word is truth. 
We are blessed to have God's word recorded for us in the Bible so that we can know what is true. We can know truth. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origins in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So here, Peter is talking about prophecy that was recorded in the Scriptures. Prophecy was God's word given to men and women who then spoke it. And then in the case, in some cases, they recorded that in the scripture. In the Bible, they wrote it down. See, though the Bible was written down physically by man, the best example I can give you to understand this is to think of God putting someone on like a glove. And then God writes it, but they're the glove on his hand as he did it. So even though there were men that were used as instruments to write down the words of the Bible, they were inspired from his mind. They were put on God's hand like they were his glove. See, the Bible is the source of truth, the source of truth. There is no other. It is the source of truth, the infallible, meaning it is true and completely trustworthy, authoritative rule of faith and conduct. It provides the standard for which we can know how to live. Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the word of God, it provides a standard upon which we can judge our lives to see if they are in alignment with God's will, to see if they are in alignment with his plans and purposes. See, the fact of the matter is sometimes the word of God cuts. Now, we shouldn't see this as God's word cutting us to harm us, But we should see it more like if someone has an operation where they're removing some cancerous growth. They're cutting something away to get rid of what is harmful. The word of God may come and it may cut in our lives, but it's not God harming us. It's God removing something that potentially is harmful. The word of God may confront. It may confront things in our lives as we read the word of God and we see truth and we say, wait. This area of my life may not be matching up with what God says it should be. It may confront areas of our life that aren't in alignment. And I know that's not always easy, but that is the path to becoming more like Christ. We are all a work in progress. The good news is, is there's no perfect person in this room today. So if you're like me and you realize you're far from perfect, you're in good company. There's no perfect people in this room today. But the good news is there's a perfect God who loves us so much that he has revealed truth to us so that we can know everything we were created for and we can also know those things that we were never created for. The Bible sets the standard for how we should live our lives. Now I know, I know there are some people and I was one of them when I was a teenager that do not like this concept of a standard that do not like this concept of something telling me that maybe I need to live my life this way or that way. I was rebellious as a teenager. I did not like the concept of a standard. But standards are actually a really good thing. Let me give you an easy example. Every single one of us is very happy that the weights and standard division of the PA Department of Agriculture goes once a year and checks the pumps at Royal Farms. Because if they did not, and if there was no standard, you may go fill your car up one day, 
and realize that you've put 300 gallons in at the cost of $1,000 because Royal Farms decided that a gallon to them would now be the size of a Dixie cup. Standards are a really good thing. Standards are good, especially so in the Bible. See, the standards of the Bible are given to us not to constrict us, but to show us freedom, to show us freedom. We'll talk about freedom here in a little bit today. See, the Bible provides a standard so that we know how to live, and it provides the lens so that we can look at life, we can look at this world, and we can see clearly as to whether something is truth. Now, notice the verse that we read, it says that the word of God judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart, meaning we are called to conform our lives to the word. We don't try to conform the word to our lives. It's a big issue we see in the world today. You see churches that are trying to conform the word of God to meet lifestyles and things. No, no, no. We conform our lives to the truth of God's word. It is the standard of how we live. We can never compromise the word of God. We can never compromise the word of God. We must boldly and unashamedly speak truth and proclaim truth. But this is very important. It must be done, as it tells us in Ephesians 4, that we speak the truth in love, which is incredibly different than simply loving to speak truth. I think a big problem you see in the church today is that it's not so much the church speaking truth in love out of a place of love, it's we love to speak the truth. Sometimes we love to be right. We love to get in that argument because we just want to be right. And you could be right, and yet if you do not speak the truth in love, you'll end up being wrong. Because we must speak truth in love. We must be motivated by the love we have for people. Our prayer for those needing Christ should be that God would help us love them right where they are at. Right? People don't need to change for us to love them. Right? we got to love them right where they are at. We cannot expect them to do this and that and everything else before we give them love. That is conditional. Love is completely unconditional. So we should be praying for those needing Christ, that God would help us to love them right where they are at, and that we would brought, boldly proclaim truth so that we can come to know Jesus. And so that is the second aspect about truth today. The Bible is the standard of truth, not just because we say so, but because it reveals God the Father, Jesus his Son, and the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus declared that he is the way, he is the truth and the life. See, the reason the Bible is the standard of truth is because the word of God, lowercase w, the Bible, is a revelation of the word of God, uppercase w, Jesus. That is why it is the standard of truth. Why is the Bible true compared to other writings? Because it reveals the one who is truth itself. See, what we need to realize is that truth isn't a concept Truth isn't merely someone's thoughts and opinions. Truth isn't words written down on a page. Truth is a person. It's Jesus. Truth is a person. Jesus is truth. And the Bible reveals him to the world 
so that we can know truth himself. And when we know Jesus, we know truth. See, there's an incredibly tragic story that plays out in John chapter 18. Jesus had been arrested and he'd been delivered to the Romans. And you see this interrogation of Pilate with Jesus. And in this interaction, you can see that Pilate is just flabbergasted. Why is this guy in front of me? Why did they turn him over? He went many times and said, I find no fault in him. And John captures the interaction where Jesus tells Pilate that he came to this world to testify to the truth, upon which Pilate responds, and many of you probably know, what is truth? And what's so incredibly tragic about this is that Pilate had truth himself standing directly in front of him, and he didn't even recognize it. He had truth himself standing right in front of him, and he was so lost in whatever that he couldn't even recognize truth as he stared at it. It's a tragic story, and if you see how Pilate's life ended, it didn't end well. What could have been different if he would have recognized truth that was staring him right in the face? Jesus told Pilate that one of the reasons he came to this world, and we know there were many, was to testify. In other words, to show us in the flesh what truth is. He came to reveal God to humanity. So you have to ask this question, how does one know this God who is so amazing, so great, so beyond our ability to comprehend? Well, there are a number of ways that God has revealed himself to humanity. Look at a couple of verses here. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And then Psalm 19, 1 and 2 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. And so both of these sets of scripture here talk about God revealing himself through creation. This is referred to as general revelation, right? The glory of God's creation reveals and true science will always back up that this universe was intricately designed and created by an intelligent designer. That it's not randomly put together but it was intricately designed with intelligence. And people have said, isn't it hard to believe that there is a God that always existed? And my answer to that is not as hard as it it is to believe that there was nothing and that nothing somehow became something. You're putting your faith in something regardless of what you believe. Whether you choose to believe in God or whether you choose to be an atheist and believe there isn't a God, you're putting your faith in something And personally, I just don't have enough faith to be an atheist because God has given us so many proofs that he is real, that he is alive, that he exists. God has given us so much proof time and again and has revealed himself through creation and creation speaks to a creator and testifies there must be a God. Now, in and of itself, this general revelation and truth can lead a person's heart to say, well, there's got to be a God, there's got to be somebody out there, but it's not enough to know him personally. And so God has also given what is referred to as special revelation, which is God revealing himself through miraculous and personal means. So this would include things like our experience with him through the Spirit, our salvation, the outpouring of the Spirit, and vitally, 
the written word of God. The written word of God, it's special revelation from God so that we can know him. See, the written word of God is foundational because it is the only proper lens through which you can correctly interpret the other types of God's revelation. The word of God takes the revelation of God in nature and it puts an exclamation point on it. And it tells people, you know this God whom you believe and think that must exist because you see this world? You can know him personally here. The very one who created all of this. The word of God in the Bible is also vital in the experiential encounter with God. In other words, our experience with him. See, how do we properly walk in other special revelation of God? When you start saying, God, we want to see you do signs. We want to see wonders. We want to see miracles. Father, we want the gifts of the spirit. We want prophecy to flow. How do we properly walk in that? Simple, through the truth of the Bible. Through the truth in God's word. It prepares us so that God can do these things in and through us. And it provides the truth so that we can steward the power of God correctly. We're going to talk about the supernatural power of God next week. Be here. You don't want to miss it. We're going to talk about this all-powerful God who still desires to show his power to this world today. The foundation for God to move in power comes from an atmosphere and a culture that's grounded in truth. We ground ourselves in the truth of God's word, and it prepares us so that we can receive all of these things that God wants to do. His desire is for us to know him and to walk in his power and in his presence. Reading the Bible and simply knowing verses is not the end goal. Now, I'm all for memorizing scripture. I think it's important. I think it's good. But memorization is not the end goal. Knowing the one whom it reveals is. John 5, 39 to 40, this is Jesus speaking. And he says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And so Jesus here is rebuking the Jewish leaders. He is rebuking the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time who actually opposed him. These would have been leaders who would have known the scripture. They would have known it up and down, back and forth, side to side. They would have had all of it pretty much memorized. They would have memorized so much scripture. They would have known it so well. And yet here Jesus is criticizing them. Why? Because they didn't allow the written word of God to lead them to God himself. And they didn't allow it to lead them to the Messiah who was standing directly in front of them. Truth was standing in front of them. The truth that the scriptures testified about was standing directly in front of them and they didn't recognize it in the same way Pilate didn't. And Jesus rebukes them and he says, guys, the scriptures that you know so well, they testify about me and yet you won't come to me so that you can have life. See, the scriptures are given to us to lead us to Jesus. The scripture is given to lead us us to Christ. They reveal him and they serve like a treasure map that leads us to the greatest treasure the world has ever known. And that is knowing Christ. Knowing Christ. It's the greatest treasure ever. The Pharisees looked for eternal life in memorization of words, but the Bible declares that we must know the one whom those words reveal. 
We must know the one whom those words reveal. So we absolutely need to know the truth of God's word in the Bible, but it's not meant to be something we simply do so we can check it off our list each day. It's not meant to simply be a memorization exercise. See, the Bible is not a history book because God is not dead. It's not a history book that we read to learn about something that happened in the far past. It's a treasure map that leads us to the greatest treasure, and that is knowing Christ. He is alive, and he desires a relationship with each and every one of us. The Bible reveals this amazing God to us and reveals how we can know him. And by knowing him, we can know who we are and we can know the very purposes for which we are alive. The religious leaders, they had memorized so much of scripture and yet they were still in bondage. One of the saddest verses I believe in the Bible is captured in Luke chapter 7, where it proclaims that the Pharisees rejected the will of God for their lives. That's sort of a scary verse if you think about it. That the Lord has given us the ability to reject his very will for our lives. Also tells you that God has an incredible will for your life if you decide to walk in it. But they rejected the will of God for their lives. See, truth himself was in their midst. The one who could save them. The one who could free them from their bondage to sin and bring them into a life of true purpose and meaning. But they rejected Christ, and when they rejected Christ, they were left in bondage. This world outside of Christ is in bondage to sin because there is only one thing that brings freedom. And that's the last aspect about truth to cover for today. See, truth brings us into freedom. John 8.32, it says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth brings freedom. How? Well, you will know truth and truth will set you free. Jesus proclaimed, I am the truth. Simply knowing Bible verses does not set you free. Knowing truth sets you free. When Jesus says you will know the truth and it will set you free, he was saying you can know me and when you know me and have a relationship with me, I will set you free. You will know the truth, Jesus, he is truth. So what is this freedom that God desires for us? Well, it's not the freedom to live and do whatever we want, but it's the freedom to be everything that he created us to be. We can only be everything that God created us to be. We can only fulfill our plans and purposes that he has for us when we come to him and we know him. He wants to bring you into a freedom to be everything that you were created to be. But we must also recognize that the inverse of this is true. If knowing truth sets you free, then ignorance of the truth will leave you in bondage. Our world is in such bondage to sin. Why? The Bible tells us in Romans 1.25 that they, the world, have exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They've rejected the very thing that could bring them into freedom And because they've rejected it, they find themselves in bondage. It's only truth that will set people free. It's only truth that will set people free. The rejection of God and his truth has led to our world being in bondage to so many things. Because it's only in knowing what is true and then having an encounter with truth that we can walk in the freedom God has for us. If the worship team wants to go ahead and come.
See, each and every truth that's laid out in the Bible, truths like God is loving, he is kind, that he's all-powerful, that he's a redeemer and a restorer, that he is perfectly good, and on and on. It's a revelation of who Jesus is, and it leads us to knowing him more. And it reveals what he will be in our lives. So we must know the truth of God's word so that we have the revelation that brings us closer to God himself and into an experience with him. Now, I spoke a little bit about this when I candidated around belief and faith and what the difference is between the two. I want to add one more layer that sits below them. And so to recap what I talked about that day, I said there's a difference between belief and faith. Belief is vital because it forms the basis for faith. Faith is vital because it is the currency of heaven. It's how we receive in the kingdom. So we can believe something, and then when we have faith, it's actually believing that thing with such conviction that we step out into it to see it done. Belief and faith are not exactly the same. Belief forms the basis for faith. Faith is putting what we believe into action. Faith is when we believe with such conviction that we step out. Let me give an example of this. So belief would be that God saves people who sin. Faith is when we step out and we ask God to forgive and save us. But there's one more thing we need to add. Underneath all of that, there's one more layer, and it's truth. It's truth. See, truth forms the basis for what we believe. What we believe forms the basis for our faith. And when we step out in faith, we see heaven crashing into earth. We need to know truth. We need to know truth. See, in the salvation example, it would be like this. There is a truth that Christ died to save us. Somebody then believes that that is true, and then they ask Christ to save them. Truth, belief, and faith. What happens if you don't know truth? If you don't know truth, then you can't believe. And if you can't believe, you can't step out in faith. And if you don't step out in faith, then you will never see heaven breaking into earth. That's why truth and knowing truth is so important. That's why truth is so important in a believer's life. It forms the building block for belief and faith, which is how heaven operates in this earth. It's the very starting point for us to receive from God all that he has for us. We don't want to be held back because we don't know truth. We don't want to be left in a place of bondage because we don't know what is available to us. We don't want our world living in bondage because the church doesn't know what is available to us for reaching them. We need to know all that the Bible proclaims. This is for us personally. It's also for the church. We need to know the truth of God's word so that it can lead us to an encounter with Christ himself. I want all that the word promises for us, and it starts by knowing what God says is available. I have a passion that Bethel would be known as a church that values the word of God, that we value the word of God, that we would be known as a church that passionately knows the word of God. The Bible quiz stuff was just such perfect timing today. We wanna get the word of God into our kids, into our grandkids. We want to get the word of God in because then they will know truth and it can lead them to the one who is truth himself. 
If we will know truth, if we will walk in it, we are positioned to walk in those things as we step out in faith. I wanna see all of the promises of God for this church fulfilled. And it starts first with knowing truth and every promise of God's word that is available to us. I wanna walk in all that Christ has for us because a church walking in freedom and destiny is the only remedy for a world held bondage to sin. There's one remedy for a world that is held in bondage to sin and it's the church. It's you and I. It's not gonna get better on its own. If the church pulls back and shrinks back, we will see the world continue on the same downward spiral because they've rejected truth. And so they're held in bondage. It's only when we embrace it and we step out in it, can we see an impact made in our world. I believe the church is here to make an impact. We're not here holding on. We're here advancing the kingdom forward. Let's be a church that advances the kingdom forward built on the foundation of truth. I wanna encourage you this morning to just renew your passion for truth and reading the word of God. So important. You may be here today and you may have struggled with reading the word of God. What I don't want you to do is be like, oh, I'm such a terrible, horrible Christian and I barely ever read my Bible and all of this. No, 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 no. What I want you to do is simply say, God, give me a hunger for your word once again. God, every time I open your word, let it be fire that just burns in my heart and my soul. You don't need to feel bad this morning if you haven't, but I wanna encourage you to get into it today. Do what you need to do. Let's be very practical. If you don't have a study Bible, get a study Bible, right? I love reading the word of God sometimes on my phone, but nothing replaces taking the word of God in paper form and just getting somewhere and just pressing in. If you struggle to maybe understand what it is, get a study Bible, it'll help. Find some people to read the word of God with. Ask a lot of questions. These things are okay. We're all seeking truth. Don't be afraid to seek it out. I wanna encourage you to get hungry for the word of God. And as you do, allow what you read to lead you to the one who is truth so that you can deeply and intimately because when we know him, we are then positioned to go out and make him known. We must know him so that we can make him known. Here's how I'd like to end today. We're gonna pray that we as individuals and as a church would have an unquenchable thirst for the word of God. Is that all right if we pray that this morning, just to have an unquenchable thirst for the word of God and an unquenchable thirst for knowing Christ. I wanna pray that as we press in and value truth, that it would lead us to encounters with God that would change our lives and this church and would then spill over to our neighborhoods, workplaces, schools, and the community. We're gonna pray over that today. Why don't you go ahead, stand to your feet for a moment. Before we pray that this morning though, there's one more thing I'd like to do. We talked about truth is what sets you free. Truth is what sets you free. I believe God wants to bring freedom to some people's lives today. If you are here today and there's any area of your life where you feel like you don't have freedom, 
It could be sickness, disease. It could be anxiety. It could be depression. It could be a sin issue. We are gonna believe that you can encounter truth himself today and he can set you free. If you are here today and you feel like there's any area of your life where you don't have freedom, or maybe you've never just fully said yes to Jesus to experience the freedom that he has for you. I wanna encourage you, if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, he is not looking to put shackles on you and constrict your life and make you live this religious, boring, horrible life. He wants to bring you into freedom. He wants to bring you into freedom to be what he created you to be. Outside of knowing Christ, you will never be what you were created to be. He wants to set you free this morning. We're gonna believe that God is gonna bring some freedom into people's lives. One quick side note before we do that though, this is important. In the days to come, I am believing that God is gonna do some incredible things here at this church. When he does, notice I didn't say if, I said when he does, when God does something in your life, don't keep it to yourself, tell someone. Please come to me, come to one of the other pastors, let Diane know, tell somebody what God has done in your life. Because when you do, you encourage others with what God has done. And the testimony of what God has done in your life will prophesy into other people's lives of what he can do for them too. See, your testimony can serve as the seed of someone else's breakthrough. And so if God does something in your life, don't keep it to yourself, let people know. You may think it's a small thing, that's okay because somebody else may be dealing with that same thing. And when you bring your testimony forward, you prophesy into their lives that God will do it for them too. Whether it's small or big, when God does something in your life, don't keep it to yourself, share it with somebody. All right, if I could just have everybody, if you just wanna go ahead and close your eyes in this room today. Just close yourself in with Holy Spirit. If you're here today and there is any area of your life where you feel like you need freedom, if that's you and you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart right now, can you just go ahead and slip up a hand? you if you can take a step of faith this morning we talked about the step of faith if you slipped up to your hand can you please just come meet us at this altar this morning come on if you slipped up your hand don't be shy this morning come on up we have some amazing people who would love to just pray with you just come on up this morning Nobody knows why you're coming. This isn't a shame. This is to simply allow you to take a step of faith because when you take a step of faith, the God of breakthrough is gonna meet you here. And it's okay if you raise your hand and you are still at your seat, don't you worry because God can meet you there too. It's okay. He's bigger than that. If you're here this morning and you need Jesus, just turn your heart to him. Say, God, I want you. I choose you. 
doesn't have to be a long religious prayer. It just simply has to be, God, I choose you because you have chosen me. Just turn your heart over to him this morning. He will meet you right where you are at. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning. Father, for every person that is in this room today that feels like they need some freedom, we just invite your Holy Spirit to come and just rest upon them because you are the one who brings freedom. And so, Lord, right now, I pray that you would meet them where they're at. Whether they're here at this altar, whether they're still at their seat, Lord, would you just meet them and bring freedom into their lives? Would you just do a supernatural work inside of them, God? Set them free. Let them walk out of here feeling light and free in you. We cry out for breakthrough in people's lives this morning. Lord, if there be anyone here who hasn't opened their hearts fully to you, I pray that they would do that right now in this moment, that they would simply say yes to you and that you would just flood their lives with your Holy Spirit, that you would do a mighty work in them, Lord Jesus. Father, we come before you as a church. We thank you for what you are gonna do. We believe, Lord God, that there are just amazing things ahead, amazing things that we can go forth and impact this world for you. So Lord, it begins with this, it begins with truth. Truth is the foundation of it all. And so this morning, Lord Jesus, I do pray that you would give each and every one of us an unquenchable thirst for your word. Lord, I pray that we would have an unquenchable thirst to get into our Bibles, to seek you out. And Father, I pray that we would have an unquenchable thirst for knowing you more, that we would desire to know truth himself, your son, Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that those who have struggled, even this day, Father, would just feel something inside of them that says it's time to read the word. And I pray, Lord, that as we do, you would open our hearts up, that we wouldn't read it like a history book, God, but we would read it like a map that leads us directly to you. And I pray, Father God, that we would hear stories in the coming weeks of encounters that people at this church have had with you as they sat down at their home to read the word. Father, I pray that we would hear stories in the coming weeks about how people were healed in their bodies, in their minds, in their emotions, that people were baptized in the Holy Spirit even as they sat down and opened their Bibles so that they could meet with you. And so Lord, we thank you for what you are gonna do. Lord, this is your church. We know that you are gonna build it. And I pray that we would be faithful to go forth and do everything that you desire us to do. Lord, let the foundation of that be your truth. We declare this morning that we will never compromise the word of God and truth, but we will stand on it. And so Lord Jesus, we just love you and we thank you. I pray that you would be with each and every one of us as we go forth. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.